Hey everybody, welcome back to the Heavy Lifting Podcast with Ravi Lula. I'm very excited about this week's show. I was able to sit down with Josh Peterson from Unsportsmanlike Conduct and have a really great talk with him. Uh, Josh is one of the more interesting and entertaining uh, media sports media personalities, uh, definitely in the area and for my money just about anywhere you'll find. Uh, so it was really great to talk to him about how he got into the industry, kind of the things that are interesting to him about doing sports talk radio every day, and uh, just got to know him a little bit better. One of the reasons I wanted to do this interview uh, with Josh was, well, he's a friend of mine, and so it was just fun to talk to him for a little while, but also uh, what I think appeals to me about whether it's podcast or sports talk radio or whatever it is, is just the feeling that you get when you find a show that you really like and you feel like you're just hanging out with your friends, right? And it's one of those things where, you know, when I would listen to Shick uh, and Nick back in the day or Scott Van Pelt and Ryan Rossillo, um when they had their show together, you just felt like you were sitting hanging out with your friends and, you know, they don't know you from Adam, but it's it feels like you're just hanging out with your buddies in your dorm room or at a bar or whatever and just talking about sports and about whatever else comes up it 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 feels like you know them it feels like you're they're your friends and i mean i know from experience with uh when those shows end it feels like you know it feels like a friend of yours is 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 no longer in your life and that's tough and so um and i think josh realizes the role that he fills within the lives of, of the people that listen to him and John every day, it's, you know, it, for a lot of people, it's just something to have on in the car when you, uh, are driving home from work. But for a lot of people, it's this, you know, sense of connection and sense of, uh, friendship and camaraderie that a lot of people don't, uh, necessarily experience the way they want to, or the way they used to in their life. So, um, so I just wanted to let you, you guys listen to and, and get to know Josh a little bit better. And, um, that's why I do this podcast. So anybody that likes listening to me can get to know me a little bit better. And so we can just hang out together and, and have a good time and have a, you know, an entertaining hour a couple times a week and hopefully, you know, give you something to help you get through the work week or get through your workout or, you know, just sometimes people just need a distraction from real life. And I think that, um, I think that sp- sports talk radio, especially and uh podcast can do that. For a lot of people, so uh, I just wanted to give everybody that's a fan of Josh an opportunity to get him, get to know him a little bit better, and get to know kind of what drove him to this point in his life in terms of uh, being on one of the, I mean, really the flagship sports talk radio program in the area of on Sportsmanlike Conduct over on sixteen twenty the Zone. Um, obviously, I've been lucky enough to co-host that both with John and Josh several times and. It's a blast. I love doing that show with those guys. They're so much fun to work with and really good at their jobs. I mean, they're, uh, like I said, I, I think those two are as good and as entertaining as anybody in the business. And so I was happy to get to talk to Josh. So uh, before we get to that conversation, though, wanted to run through a couple things real quick. Uh, number one, Nebraska, their upcoming game against Northern Illinois this week. I don't really have a lot of analysis except for if Nebraska doesn't win and win pretty soundly, it's going to be a long week uh, here in the state of Nebraska. So I'll talk to you on Monday, on Meathead Monday, about 
uh, my thoughts on the game after after that one gets done. But don't have a lot of analysis going in. Just Nebraska needs to go and take care of business and hopefully do so in a convincing fashion to get some of the uh, some of the general anxiety out of everybody in the state. So uh, hopefully they can get that done. Uh, what I did want to get to with everybody was my college football picks for the week. Uh, I went. It was a rough week. Week last week went 0 for three, and they were not close. So that was that was a tough one. But uh, I've got several games I like this week. We'll start off with uh, the Friday night game, uh, Washington State against Houston. Washington State is a nine and a half point favorite, and I like them there. I like them to cover. Uh, so that's my first one there. Hopefully, get you off to a good start. Uh, to the weekend with Washington State. And then uh, next one I like is Maryland at Temple. Maryland, I don't know if they're for real or not, but I think they might be. I don't think Temple's very good. Maryland's only a a 6.5-point favorite. Uh, I believe Maryland lost to Temple last year, so there's going to be a little bit of a revenge factor there. And it's entirely possible Maryland might actually be good this year. So um, I like Maryland uh, minus 6.5 there. Uh, I was on Stanford early in the season, but after their performance against USC and uh, and their barely cover against Northwestern, um, I like UCF minus 8.5 against Stanford uh, on that game. UCF is at home, um, and that'll be a... I think that's a good number for UCF. I think after losing <laughs> on a UCF bet a couple weeks ago, I think UCF might be the real deal. Um, again this year, which they that freshman quarterback that they have that took over for Brandon Winbush, um, he's he's pretty solid. I think he might be he might be as good as advertised there. So I like UCF minus eight and a half. Uh, speaking of USC, uh, I like USC minus four against BYU. I don't think BYU is very good, and that uh, true freshman uh, quarterback uh, for USC that came in. And replaced them, replaced uh, their starter JT Daniels. Uh, I I think he's pretty good. He looks like he's the real deal. He looks confident. Um, that's Keaton Slovis. He, I like him. I think he he might be the real deal for USC. So Clay Helton somehow might be saving his job another <laughs> another year. And I don't know how he he keeps doing it. But uh, I like USC minus the four at BYU. That's not a long road trip for them. So I feel pretty good about that. And then the last one for the week, I like Oklahoma minus 23.5 against UCLA. I usually don't go after a number that big, but man, UCLA is really, really bad. And I don't know if Chip Kelly just forgot how to coach while he was in the NFL or if he just doesn't have the dudes at UCLA yet, but it is ugly. And they're not even scoring. At least with Chip Kelly, you maybe thought they weren't going to win, but you thought they'd at least score. They are not even scoring right now. So those are the five games that I like over the weekend. Um, with that Oklahoma-UCLA game, uh, Jalen Hurts is, man, he's got that thing going as good as Kyler Murray or Baker Mayfield did early in their careers at Oklahoma as well. Looks like Lincoln Riley has done it again. Now I'm a little biased because obviously I do have that bet for Jalen Hurts to win the Heisman. Uh, at 14 to one, so wouldn't mind if he kept that up, and I think he will. Um, so I, I, I really like uh, Oklahoma. I usually, like I said, I usually don't go for a number that big at minus 23 and a half. 
anything outside the teens is usually no-go territory for me, but I feel pretty good that Oklahoma's just going to put it on UCLA. And even though Oklahoma's defense is a little sketchy, I don't think UCLA can score. I just really don't. That They don't seem to be able to uh, get that Chip Kelly offense moving. So I like those five games. Again, that was Oklahoma over UCLA, uh, USC over BYU. I like uh, Oklahoma, uh, excuse me, Washington State over Houston, and Maryland over Temple, and UCF over Stanford. Um, probably going to bet those individually this week, but who knows? Might throw a five-team parlay in there and see what happens, because you know those babies pay out a ton, even though you only win one like once every five years. But that's all right. Uh, with that, we are going to get to my conversation with Josh. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you to Fruitful Design for supporting the Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula podcast. Fruitful Design helps businesses and nonprofits be, well, fruitful with top shelf design and strategy. Whether you need a logo, website, or anything else to promote your business, which I need it all of, Fruitful Design can help you grow. They helped me set up my website for Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula and were quick, friendly, and professional. Check Fruitful out online at www.fruitful.design. Once again, that's www.fruitful.design. All right, I'm here with Josh Peterson, co-host of Unsportsmanlike Conduct on 1620 The Zone. And basically, I just wanted to talk to you, Josh, about, I guess, just kind of how you got to this point. Yeah. How you ended up, like, in sports radio. I mean, is this... Let's go all the way back. So you okay. grew up in Omaha, right? Yep. Lived, I, I, most of my life I've lived in Omaha. Yeah. I lived a few other spots. My dad went to Bible school in Oklahoma, in Tulsa, when I was, gosh, three or four. What school did he go to? Uh, Rama, Rama Bible Training Center. Okay. So he went down there, uh, early 90s, I think, like 91, 92-ish, somewhere in there. Okay. Took That's a two-year school. So we were in, in Tulsa. Um, then he moved, my parents moved with me, and then I had a, a little brother by that point, and they moved to Michigan. Okay. So we lived in Grand Rapids for a few years. But sure. we came back to Nebraska in 96, like right either before or after Thanksgiving. And so I've either been in Omaha or then college for Lincoln since, uh, since 1996, 1997. So, yeah, I've been here pretty much most of my life, um, especially the stuff that I can remember. I can, sure, very, yeah. I can yeah. like, vaguely remember <laughs> Oklahoma, and I can remember Michigan. I yeah. like remember friends and stuff, but for the most part, all of my actual formative memories are here in Nebraska. Funny story. I actually also went to Bible school yeah. to become a preacher. Yeah, that obviously didn't work out, <laughs> but that's, all, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, so, grew up mostly, you missed, like, the good parts of being a Nebraska fan. Yeah. Basically. I, yeah, seriously. So, I, I've always thought to myself, if I would have lived here, let's say, from I was born in 88. I lived here my whole life. Yeah. When you're young, you know, when you're in that four, five, six, seven, eight range, I think you you remember specific things. And I've always thought, if I lived here... I would have remembered more from those days, whether it was like going to watch parties or oh, yeah. I would have gone to a game earlier. The first ever game I went to was 97. Okay. And so I remember all that. Like, I remember all of the 97 season. You know, yeah. the Missouri game stands out, the national title. Like, I remember games in there. And my parents actually asked them this recently because it was on my mind. Yeah. And I asked, did I watch games with you guys before that? And they said, yeah, you did. But, you know, not as many games were on TV back sure, then, too. Yeah. And so I'm, it's always annoyed me that I don't remember 94. I don't remember 95. <laughs> like, I remember 
talking to my parents or my dad about 96, like during that, like how can Nebraska win the national title? Right. And I always yeah. thought, like, how in the world did I know that they were in it? And so obviously I was paying attention right, somewhat as that. a, as a yeah. what, eight-year-old, but I don't remember a whole lot. So that, yeah, it sucks. I only remember the 97 title. Because we're about the same age. I was born in 87. Uh-huh. and. I, the first football game I remember watching start to finish is the 94 National Championship game, I guess in the 95 Orange Bowl, okay, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, So the Nebraska-Miami game. Yeah. That's, my, that's my first Not bad. football memory. <laughs> so right? mine is the, the, the Orange Bowl that Damon won the MVP. That's the first bowl game I okay, remember. Sure. We watched it in Fremont at my grandparents' house. And yeah. So that's the first ever Nebraska game I actually remember watching, even though I had to watch more. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's super fun. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're right, though. I mean, you have, if it's something meaningful to you, the memory of it sticks. Because, like, I remember watching the Bulls game six against the Suns, and mm. I was five and a half years yeah. old at that point, yeah. you know? And so I literally, I remember John Paxson hitting the shot yeah. against the Suns, and there's no reason I should remember that. Exactly. It's some random basketball yeah. game from... 27 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I remember like random minor league baseball games. Like oh, yeah. The Omaha, or the uh, what, West Michigan Whitecaps is what they were called. Nice. Like, how do I remember that? <laughs> but I can't remember like Tommy Frazier. So that, that, but it was funny because, you know, when we moved here, uh, my, we lived with my grandparents for a few months before we moved to Omaha. So we sure. lived in Fremont for a few months. And I'm my, sorry about that. Yeah, thank you. Condolences. Yes. Um, but we, they had, like, he had all the highlight tapes. Back, this was back when Husker Vision, because yeah. they were good all the time. So they'd make highlight tapes after every year. So yeah, I yeah. watched the 94 highlight tape, the 95 highlight tape, and then he had the 95 Orange Bowl and the 96 Fiesta Bowl. And so I just watched those over and over yeah. and over. So I felt like by the time that, you know, I really started watching the team, I had a pretty good knowledge of them. And yeah. then it was just, you know, asking questions and trying to find out as much as I could. Like, I'm jealous of, like, an eight-year-old today. Like, you hop on YouTube. YouTube. There's oh, a million yeah. games. Like yeah, you, can, yeah. you can learn so much about anything that you want to now For sure. versus like what you and I could do back in the early 90s. Yeah, I had... Back in my day! <laughs> yeah, I had the VHS. I taped, I literally taped yeah. the games. I had taped <laughs> the 95 Orange Bowl and the 96 Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. And I watched the 96 Fiesta Bowl. I, I mean, I watched them both probably a hundred times. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, yeah, I would just sure. watch them every day when I got home from school. I'd just pop it in. <laughs> I mean, it's either that or like Star Wars yeah. or The Sandlot. <laughs> and so, yeah, that's, that definitely makes a, a pretty big impact on you. So, okay, so you came here in mm-hmm. when you were 96, 97. Yeah. And then you went to Omaha North. Yep, went to Omaha North. Graduated and- in 06. Oh seven. So I was oh, like with like Philip Bates was there, Nas Paul no, was Paul. there, and then there was a few other guys who actually went and played small town or small time college yeah. football as well. So you know, it sucks. You, like, do you remember? This is a random. Do you? I think there was a receiver named Dante Shackelford. Yes. Oh yeah, I remember yeah, that name. I don't really remember. Super. All of them. I yeah. think he was. He graduated my year. I uh-huh. think. Yeah. I dated a girl from Omaha North my senior year, oh, so okay. I remember a lot of the yeah a lot of the football players. But Tommy Warren was on that team, and I think yeah. he went to Northwest Missouri State. And his dad obviously was the the police, the police chief. chief yeah. yeah, and uh, there was a few other guys. Like the, it's crazy that that team didn't even make it to the semis for no. their state. They lost it to Westside when I was a senior, and then a few years later, when my brother's senior year, they made it to the semis and they were up, and they could have gone to state. Yeah. And then finally, after that is when kind of when they broke, through. they really broke. Through. Yeah, like they you know they won what three and four years. Or I mean, crazy. when they finally hired Damon. No coincidence. <laughs> right? I don't think. Yeah, exactly. Damon shows up and they. They start racking off state championships. I mean, that's what he does, right? You get the Nebraska <laughs> thing. You're just like, all right, let's get this done. Yeah, all right. It's like the 90s all over again. <laughs> um, so you went there, and then you went to – at what point did you know – 
I assume by the time you went to Lincoln, you knew you wanted to get into sports broadcasting. Yeah, so at... at um, how early was that? Like, how early did you become aware of, like, hey, this is what I want to do? Pretty early. So at OPS schools, there's something called the Career Center, which is at the old Tech High. It's okay. The, it's the TAC building or whatever they yeah. call it now um, on, what, 30th and Cumming Street. And so... Super cool-looking building. It's it's huge. Yes. It's just, so They I probably started, use, like, what, like half of it? Well, they use all... Well, a lot of it's for students, but like, oh, the rest it? of it's for administration. Like administration? Yeah. yeah. So Damon actually used to work there back in the day. Oh. Oh, nice. Before he, he joined the zone, so um, I, I started going there as a sophomore to okay. take broadcasting classes because I started getting into sports talk and I was listening on Sportsmanlike Conduct and I was like, "This is you know, it's fun, it's a yeah. cool job." And so I went there, and um, I think it was my junior year. This guy showed up, and he had previously been on Channel Six WOWT, mm-hmm. his name Doug Walker. And so he came to, like, teach the TV side of thing, and then we had a radio teacher there. And so at that moment in time, I knew, okay, I want to do something with sports and broadcasting. Sure. I didn't know what exactly. And so because I really liked him, I gravitated towards him, I started doing – he, he was, like, first day, he's like, hey, so what are you guys interested in? He all asked all of us individually, and I was like, well, I like sports. And he was like, have you ever thought about calling games? And I was like, well, yeah, I'd love to, but sure. we've never tried it. He's like, Let's, well, why don't we try it? So we did a few games when I was a junior, and we did more. We did some football games, and then we did a, a ton of basketball games. Right. And so that was really good experience. And so by the time I got to college, I felt like, okay, first of all, I have more experience than a lot of people do. Sure, yeah. Um, and I know that I want to do something in this. And I just I didn't know where I wanted to go yet. I didn't know if I wanted to do TV or if I wanted to do radio because I liked my TV teacher more in high school than my radio sure. teacher. So I thought I was going to gravitate more towards that. And I don't remember what it was. It probably was just really listening to Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I really, like, my first year of college, you know, when you suddenly realize you have all this free time. And so <laughs> yeah. I would, like, I would just listen to the show every day, whether it was live or if I had class. I would That was, like, right when podcasting started. Yeah. And so I'd doubt it's hilarious. Like, I would download it onto iTunes, and then I would plug in my iPod, and yep. I would put it onto my iPod, and I'd walk to class, and I'd listen to it. And so pretty early on, I realized, okay, I want to do sports talk Radio, sure. And then it was just kind of trying to figure out, okay, how do I do that? Everyone wanted a sports talk radio show, so sure. it wasn't like you could just show up and be like, all right, give me, give me a time <laughs> yeah. slot. This was this was in the infancy of podcasting, and so in a way, it's almost like now I figure like if you're a college kid, you can't get on the radio. Well, fine, just do a podcast for a half hour every day or whatever. Just yeah. like practice, get get some reps, and so I mean that's what I'm doing <laughs> exactly. But seriously, like now more than ever, if you want to get the reps, it, it's so easy to do so compared yeah. to like when I was in school, at least at first. And so I did that for a few years. Um, you know, I, like I knew that I wanted to do it. I, my grades kind of sucked the first year first semester specifically yeah and so i really had to start focusing on just getting my grades up Mm -hmm. rather than focusing on broadcasting and so it probably was i think my senior year my my first senior year uh, (laughs) is what should have been my senior year but i was actually a junior um that was when i finally got a show and so that was the fall of 2010 so the last year in the big 12 was when i had a show so was that like on a campus radio station, or how was that? Yep, so that was on 90.3 KRNU, and nice. so I did it with a friend of mine at the time, and we were on, I think, Wednesday nights. Okay. So we would have a two-hour show on Wednesday. But at this point in time, um, I knew Damon, and so he went to the same church that my parents did at the time. Oh, nice. And so my dad, he, he had a leadership role in the church, and Damon had, had a leadership role in the church, I think. Either way, they got connected, and my sure. dad told him, like, hey, I have a son who you know is interested in, in radio. And so the next time that I was in town and I went to, to church with him on Sunday, he introduced me to Damon. And, and eventually I worked up the courage to ask him, like, hey, would you mind coming on my show? 
And he did, and it, it you know, it, it wasn't that big of a disaster, I guess. You know, we, I guess we must have asked semi-decent questions because he ended up, it was crazy. Like, to think about this now, he ended up coming on our show every week during football season. Oh, wow. For 2010 and 2011. And then by 12, I was still in school, but I was all of it was online, and I, sure. was, I was living in Omaha. So, yeah, 2010 to 2011, I had Damon on every week during the football season. And, I mean, you want to talk about an opportunity to, like, really start figuring stuff out, asking him questions, yeah. trying to come up with good questions. And then by that point in time, I just – I'd interned with – I probably want to ask me about that, but I'd interned with the radio station, too. And so I had a relationship. Like, I'd met Sipple and Dirk and, like, all these guys. And yeah. so I just started emailing yeah, yeah. I'm like, hey, do you want to come on the show? you want to come on the show? And so I ended up getting a chance to talk to a ton of local writers and stuff and really, I don't know, I think it helped me become a better interviewer. Now, if I went back and listened to him today, <laughs> sure. I'd be like cringing, but you know, Dude, at, I, at the time. I do the same thing. Like all the first like few shows I did with Blue Jay Banner or whatever, I'll listen, I'll, like, I'll be like, oh yeah, that went pretty well. Or people will have, to, will have told me, they're like, oh, that went pretty good. Yep. And then I'll go back and listen to him. I was like, what was I doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's a little embarrassing. Honestly. Yeah. No, I think about that too, man. Like how when I got the job five years ago or six years ago five years ago now and I was like at the time I was so confident like I know exactly what I'm doing and I look back at it now like Jesus Jesus. it's it's a good thing that it wasn't a complete disaster props to John for dealing with this 25 year old on the air as he's just trying to figure out what his personality is and what he wants to do and so and you were between being an intern and getting the show, you were a producer on the show, right? Or is yeah. That, yeah. Yep. So I interned in 2011. So and that was Damon helped me out with that. Sure. He, he reached out to Kevin and and recommended me. And so I joined them like right after the Fourth of July in 2011. Okay. And it's what's crazy is I interned not even for, for two months. I mean, it was like six seven weeks. And it seems like in hindsight that I was there for years, just right. interning. Yeah. And I mean, I, I you know I didn't get paid. I mean, that's right. how I first got to know you was intern Josh. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, and I mean, it's funny too because you know at times like Lacey, who was a producer, she'll yeah. still call me intern. You know, yeah. and like just because that's that's what I was to her, and Michael did for a long, long time that I was intern. And so I interned for them in, in 2011, and that was one of the best experiences sure. ever. Just getting to watch them, getting to see a professional environment. How creative they were! How just like really? How does a show work every single day? Sure. And it was actually that year, like before, a few months before I interned. I, I, the guys that I was doing my college show with, I was like, we should start doing a daily podcast. And and I wanted to do it to give myself reps because yeah. I was like, if I'm going to do this job, I'm going to have to talk every day. And it was great. We t- we started the daily podcast in like a February or, or March. And yeah. so it was only basketball season. There wasn't football. And so that was really good because it, it forced me to, to to just be able to talk every single day about something. And so – And I, that's kind of like that in this that time of year in Nebraska at least is when you like figure out whether or not you can do this. Exactly. Right? Like yeah. when it's not football season, yeah. that's when you figure out like, oh, can I actually do this every day or Dude, not? Dude, football season, it's not it, easy, it, but it's like there's too much in a way. So it's like yeah. there, it's easy in terms of topics. Like yes. you have anything you want to do. So much content, more con- – like you don't you ever have, have to come up with it. Yeah, like energy. yesterday – we're recording this on Wednesday. Yesterday we, we talked – gosh – I mean, barely anything but Huskers. Like, we, yeah. we talked, like, maybe college football elsewhere for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. We did what you say, and that bounced around. Like, in the season, we're so Husker-centric. Sure. And so if, if you can do a sports talk show in, in February and March, and, and really, like, in June, July, July <laughs> then, then I think you, you're kind of cooking with gas. And so that happened. Like, the 2011 year was very important for me because I did started doing the Daily Podcast. Then I interned. And then by the end of the year, I started – Filling in like as a part timer with sure. doing like Lancers games, producing Lancers games, and that you know, so it's like all of this stuff happened at once, 
And then Lacey was was pregnant, and she was about to go on maternity leave. And she said, hey, they want you to be one of the, the fill-ins. Sure. It was me and another guy. And so I started doing it. I would drive every day. Yeah. You know, or every other day, excuse me. I did Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Every, every other day, I'd drive up to Omaha, and then I would drive back. And I started doing that. And then she decided that summer that she just wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And so yeah. I, I told him I wanted the job. I was the best person for the job. Kevin's run comes to an end. Like, I was there at the end of Kevin. You know, I right. produced his last show, which is crazy to me. Um, and... And so I got hired full time in August of 2012. Okay. And so that's when I, you know, started producing it. I had been producing it every day, but that was when I produced it every day and had benefits and a salary. Sure, that was like your, it was your actual job. Yes, it was. Yeah. And it was funny too because I was still in school. I was doing online classes, like I mentioned, taking some. I had to finish up. Like I, I messed up with my foreign language credit early on in college, and so I was taking. It was weird. I was taking a, a German, like a history of German and a history of France class through Missouri. It was so weird. And so I had to write like twenty papers, I think. And so that year, I also started working for the Big Ten Network, and I would go to games every weekend. Yeah. So the the flight out, I usually just tried to relax and like read or whatever. But the flight home, it was like work. Like I was just yeah. typing. I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm writing five page papers on crap that I don't know about. You know? <laughs> I'm just like trying to BS. You know, add a word to a line and then the, it get goes it down. to like yeah, bump and down. I try. I just that's what it, I mean. That's what college just is. Messing right? with the spacing and everything. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it improved the, the the period from twelve font to thirteen. Right. Half page <laughs> added onto it. So that's it was it was a uh, a weird time and I was so annoyed because like. I remember ranting to my parents a million times. I have a full-time job, and I am, I am taking these classes. Like, I don't need college anymore. I'm done with all the broadcasting stuff. Like, yeah. why am I taking these classes? Why, why do I have to take a German and French class? Yeah, exactly. It was so weird. It's like, I'm not doing I'm not doing European broadcasts anytime soon. Exactly. Why do I need to know this? Why? And so, and you know, it's funny. I don't know it anymore. That was seven years ago. I forgot yeah. every single – I wish I still had the papers. I would love to go back and read them. Like, what the hell? Was what that are you talking yeah. about? Exactly. That's like most of college, though, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, well, for sure. Really. It's just be, college is, if you're like us, I assume, yeah. you're BSing. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what, wait, you got into a really good school, though. So you're. I got into several really good schools. Yeah. I just didn't go to any of them. Yeah, okay, so you're smarter than, than you're giving yourself credit for. Most of us, us, us plebeians. College is about BSing your way through. This guy's using plebeians over here. <laughs> Uh, so, all right, so you, well, especially, so, to me, broadcasting classes have always seemed a little strange because it's like, it's one of those jobs where, yes, you can learn some of the technical things about it or whatever, but either you can do it or you can't, really. I mean, is that kind of your experience with that as well? Because I imagine I had some friends that, I didn't go and, I didn't have broadcasting classes, but I had friends that were broadcasting at UNO, yeah. and it was pretty clear to them early on, like, oh, most of the people in here can't do this. This isn't going to be their job. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had a lot of friends, you know, and for whatever reason, they decided to drop out of, not drop out. They, they got their degrees, and then they would go do go something, something else. else. I, yeah. I, very few of my friends finished school and are still in this industry. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, I took a couple writing classes in college, um, and, but the writers always said the same thing. Like, yeah, you can learn in the J school, but if you really want to do this. You got to work for the paper. Yeah. And I kind of felt the same way. Like, yeah, I'm learning things. And there were a couple classes in particular that I thought they taught me a lot and stuff that I still remember sure. to this day. Like the, the sports broadcasting class was awesome. Yeah. Um, and so it was the station though. It was the station yeah. and, and doing that. And cause I mean, doing this, the, the, a radio show didn't really get a whole lot of feedback unless you asked for it. Yeah. And so it really did allow you to kind of play around, figure out bits, do right. different things. And I was really trying to do that, you know, as a listener of, of Unsportsmanlike Conduct and Chicken Nick as well at the time. Yeah. I was like, 
I loved just being funny and having fun, and I still do that. I, that's what I want my show to be to this day. And so I tried. We messed around, and we did a lot of, of really you know dumb things. Sure. And I remember like the, the show that I will never forget um, – like something was wrong with the station. Like the, the tower was down or whatever. Yeah. It was just offline. Well, we had gone out for a couple of drinks and and we came back and one of my friends was pretty toasted. <laughs> and we so we ended up just doing a podcast, like an hour podcast. Yeah. And I mean, it was it was hilarious, but there was also a lot of stuff on that that it's like, I'm happy, I hope nobody has the taste of this. Uh, but one of my friends in particular. Funny you should mention. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. So here are all the stories. Uh, and it was just like, wow, this is ridiculous. But I will never forget that show. It was so funny to me. Um, but it was, I don't know, it was, it was a good experience. And I, I, I think I, doing those shows definitely provided the path that I'm sure. on now more than most of the classes that I ever took. Well, it's just, you can't teach somebody how to, like, sometimes when the mic goes on, like people just can't talk online mm-hmm. radio. Like some people just can't yeah, do it. No, yeah, can't, yeah. And they could be the smartest person in the world. They could have all the information and insight, and they could be having a conversation with somebody and sound great. And yeah. then you turn the mic on, and they're just dead. They just mm-hmm. can't do it. And so that's why it's always kind of been funny to me, just the broadcasting classes in general. Like I said, I know there's a technical side and some of that stuff you can learn, but a lot of it is just can you do it or yeah. not? Yeah, can you be entertaining? You yeah. know, because that's the other thing too. Like you mentioned, there's some people who can't speak, you know, and they're not very good at it when the mic drops. Yeah, out. and there's some people who can do that, but then they're not entertaining sure. or creative, and and that it, it's tough. You know, it, it took me a while really to find myself on the air. I mean, I, I obviously I'm still learning even to this day, but I would say that where I'm at now, I don't think that I really started getting to this spot. Um, until maybe a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, where I feel right now is, is such a different version than me on the air in, you know, 2014 or 2015. And I just, I'm so much more confident sure. today when I, when I go on the air, not in terms of like, I don't want to stutter, you know, right. just being confident in myself and, and really bringing my personality to the air more so than I ever was able to sure. in, in the early days. Cause I think that's, that's like kind of who knows, 10 years, 20 years, I might be like, no, there's one final step to make. But I always, that has seemed like the step that has been the biggest for me of just totally freeing myself and just being 100% comfortable in sure. who I am on the air. And that's, it took a while to get there. It really did. Well, and I, as somebody who's listened for most of your time on the air, and I mean, well before you, I mean, yeah. I was listening to, to Michael and Kevin. I was listening to Shick and Nick. Yeah. Um, I would agree with, I mean, just from hearing you when you first came on the air. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I, I was like, oh, man, this is, <laughs> this is rough, yeah. you know? And I'm sure people have said that about me when I, you know, especially, I mean, probably still, but especially <laughs> when I first started filling in, yeah. it's like, oh, gosh. But in the last, like, two, three years, it seems like you have really found, it really seems more like it's it's your and John's show. Yep. Because before, it felt like this is John's show and Josh is, is co-hosting. Yeah. And if, now it feels like this is John and Josh's show. It seems like more of a collaborative process and experience. And... I mean, and throw Stibbs in there too. And Stibbs, yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, the show's been light years better since that happened. No, yeah, I think so too. And I don't know, you know, what what it is that happened or whatever. You know, I, I went through a lot of stuff in my personal life that certainly. I hear I, that. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know how that goes. And, and I, I thought that that, you know, in the, those those months, you know, and days and weeks or whatever, where the show really became kind of this place of. 
just being comfortable and, and like a like, refuge. Yeah, it really yeah. was. And like the, before, you know, prepping and getting ready, it was like good. And then being on the air was really good. And then six o'clock would show up, and I'm like, all right, what do I want to do now for the rest of the night? And yeah. I, I just like it, it. It caused so much focus and energy in in all of the best ways to go in the show, and it really did. It became a refuge for it. And I think I would probably say that. Yeah. You know, that when I look back on on those days and just. I don't know how I got through it. And sure. the fact that I was on the air at the same time is, is pretty crazy to me. Um, but I did it. I made it through it. And and in the end, I look back. And I do. I think that there is kind of this dividing line of like pre, you know, my marriage, you know, ending and and, and post it. Yeah. And I think that, that after it, I think that I've, I think the show has been much better for whatever reason. I, I probably it's just... If I can make it through that, then I can make it through anything. And I mean, sure. really, there's there's nothing that can that can happen really that would you know. I mean, I guess deaths would suck, um, right? But I don't know that 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 seems to be kind of this moment. But in terms of things you like have to actually live through on a day to day basis. Yeah, yeah, that was. Tough. I mean, that's yeah. about. I mean, for people that don't know, Josh and I went through a divorce almost at the exact yeah, same time. Yeah, exactly. It was, and that's kind of where we became friends almost because yeah, it was, it was we like had this, you like, literally you finalized yours as my process was beginning. Yeah. And so I remember, you know, I probably leaned on too many people at the time. Like there's sometimes I look back and I'm like, why did I tell this person? <laughs> I didn't need to talk to that person about, you know, what, what I'm feeling and how, you know, miserable I am. But you, it was great because, you know, you were, you were literally ending it. Yeah. And then, and then it's like, all right, Hey, so can I get some advice? My, 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 my process was basically like exactly six weeks ahead of yours. <laughs> yeah, it really was. And so that, I remember you asked me like, Hey, what'd you do with the rings? Yeah. 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 And so that, that was, that, that seems to be just kind of this dividing moment. And I, I mean, it probably caused me to grow up a little bit more than, than I was expecting to at that age. And, you know, I, I just, and I think that that was also the point you know, where the show, it seemed like Stibbs and I really started putting our fingerprints on it. Yeah. I remember one of the things that John said at the end of 2017, like we had a, a show to, every time when we do our last show of the year, we, we kind of get sappy and we talk about how great everybody is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, I remember that show, first of all, John said some really nice things about me because of what I was going through. But then he mentioned something about like, when I first got here, I was the creative guy and I was the one who was doing the bits and coming up with the ideas. He was like, and now it is, you guys have done so much more, sure. you know? Cause like that was when we had done, we'd done Harama karaoke that year a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. And so we, we were, we really started adding a lot more of the creativity yeah. and I mean, like that, the fun stuff, the fun stuff, yeah. the nine and the seven, like all of that stuff really for whatever reason, which is so funny because you know, the Greg Sharp rant, about Bo Pelini and winning nine games. That was from 2014. And yet, for some reason, it really became a Just thing. Just, like, got traction For us then, in 2017. Yeah. And that was that was when it happened. And so, it's, like, all of that stuff. Like, a lot of bits that we still do now, or the way in which we still do the bits, like, it started then. Yeah. For whatever, you know, for whatever reason. Well, and I don't know if you feel like this, and we'll get off of the divorce topic here in a second, <laughs> but I wasn't even planning to go into this, but it came up. So, I, I felt like, and it seems like you kind of feel the same way as, when <clears throat> before that all happened in my life versus after afterwards i felt like this is who i actually am mm -hmm. and beforehand it's like this is i was trying to be who either my ex-wife wanted me to be or who i thought my family wanted me to be yeah. or who every i don't this this everybody quote unquote that i don't even i faceless people that i don't just feel like a different person yeah, yeah. And, and it was like Oh, this is who I was trying to be, but this is who I actually am. And since then, yeah, 
I've been much, I think, happier and more successful just in my life. In no, general. yeah, I think so too. You know, I, I look at some of the things that have happened. I mean, we just went on a road trip to to Colorado for a football Which game. Which that seemed like it was awesome. Yeah, it was it was an incredible experience. But John and I had never got to do that before. This yeah. is the first time we really we traveled anywhere um, beyond just driving to Lincoln to do a radio show from you know KLIN or something. This is the first time that we got to do put really the unsportsmanlike conduct stamp on something yeah and that was a that was a, a great experience and something that I will never forget but you know I feel I feel more comfortable now in myself than I than I probably ever have been before, and I think it goes reason. back to that okay you went through I mean it and basically like you said outside of like death disease whatever yeah. basically like the worst thing a person can go through yeah is to be rejected by this person that says hey we're gonna be together forever yeah and so it's like an existential crisis right yeah. and if you can get through it and yeah. you're good I mean, you just you feel like nothing else is unconquerable. Yeah, you feel right? like you got a new lease on life. Really. Yeah, yeah. So, and that that's unconquerable. That's really how I felt. It's like, all right, I made it through it. Now, now I'm good to go. And and I think the show that was really the beginning of the show. Just kind of, you know, we've had our best collective ratings. If you just look at it, you know, book to book, we've had our best collective numbers. Um, over the last couple of years than we did before that. Sure. We, we we had some really good highs in the years before that right. in terms of ratings, but we also had some some lower numbers too. And yeah. we've, we've been much more consistent over the last few years. And I think part of that too is just uh, the show is better. You mentioned it. I think the show today is better than the show was in 2018, which I think was better than 2017, which I think was better in 2016. Yeah. You know, we, you can't control what the teams do on the field, what the players do off no. the bat or whatever, but you can control how much work you put into it, how creative you're trying to be. Sure. And I think, you know, I think the most important thing for me, because when I was coming up, I listened to Sportsmanlike Conduct, and it was a very creative show, but... I don't know. I almost felt like I, I was trying to be that version. You know, I was trying sure. to not be a fan. I was, sure. you know, I, I I don't root for Nebraska. I discuss them, but I don't root for them. And and what, that's one of the things that I think has really changed the most over the last few years. Is, is finally I was just like, look, I'm a, I don't talk about. It. I don't say we on the air. But no, you, people know like, I'm a Nebraska. You grew up fan. in Nebraska. Yeah, you, you know, like you're I'm, a Nebraska fan. It's good if they do well for for me as a fan, but it's also good if they do well sure. for the show. And yeah. so I, I want them to be a good football team. Um, you know, and and I think that. Really, just being like free with that. Even if I don't come on the air, yeah. and I'm like, "Come on, guys, we need Nebraska to win." <laughs> if I don't do, I don't do that stuff. But I, I root for them, obviously. Yeah. And I think that has been another. That's another one of those changes of just like, look, man, I'm not, I'm not going to be like an unbiased person. Yeah. There's some people who can do it. I'm just not going to. I'm, I can still. That said, I can talk about them, and I can still be very critical. Of sure, them. yeah. People get mad at me all the time for it. Um, but I, you know, on Saturdays, I put on my Husker shirt and I root for them like the, sure. the rest of the people in the state. So you brought up a couple, you know, listening to Chick and Nick and listening to Unsportsmanlike Conduct back when it was Kevin and Michael. Were there any other, like, national shows or anything like that that you feel like had a big influence on you and how you decided you wanted to do the show? Um, you know, I, I in high school, I listened to more national shows than I do now because now I listen to podcasts. Sure. If I listen to yeah. national stuff. Um, but I liked Dan Patrick's show, and I really loved just the the way he played off of his four the the four guys the, the Dan Danettes. Yeah. yeah, like I always I really enjoyed that. Um, that was probably it in terms of like a national radio show in terms of an influence. But you know, I, I got into Bill Simmons in 2008. Sure. I think is when yeah. I when I started reading him and listening to his podcast. And I'd say that that I mean certainly the way he talked about gambling. Yep. You know, he was so ahead of most people. Oh yeah, and that got me into gambling, even though I was terrible at it. <laughs> I mean, I'm still okay. I'm okay now. But um, he really. I think, I mean, and not to mention the fan thing that I was just talking about. Yeah. You know, him being a fan of, of his teams, uh, that 
it was like, okay, wait, if he can do it, you know. Right. I, 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 how I've always viewed it is this. I don't talk to the players. I don't talk to the coaches, like, ever. I, yeah. I rarely go to practice. And so it's like, if I don't have to see them on a daily basis, I'm going to root for, for sure. you know, my team. And so that hit, he did it. And then, I don't know. I mean, certainly the part of my take, when I started listening to them – Three years ago, almost now, yeah. they just the way that they had fun and and I really they, they gave me a lot of ideas in terms of you know just I tried to start thinking about things in a in a much different way sure. when I started listening to them. So I would say yeah, going back into high school and early college, Dan Patrick for sure, and then Simmons and, and probably part of my take over the last few years. Because one of the I listen to the Dan Levitard show basically every day, and that's honestly. From listening to you guys all the time and listening to them all the time, that's the show that reminds, I guess your show reminds me of them the most mm. in terms of, now they goof off way more than you guys <laughs> do, because <laughs> if you goofed off that much, the, I think the state would revolt, against <laughs> you, especially during football season, Yeah, but especially during the summer, like when we do those shows during the summer and there's nothing to talk about, Yeah, I mean, those are my favorite shows to fill in because th- those are the most fun for me. Yeah. And those are the, those shows remind me a lot of just like just their complete irreverence for the platform. Yeah. In terms of okay, there's nothing to talk about. There, nobody's played a game in months. Mm-hmm. Like we're just gonna That's have when you fun. Be creative, yeah. And and some people love it and they get it, and some people think it's the worst thing in the world. They want you to go back over the tape and figure out what's going on at training camp and stuff. And yeah. It's like, That's not good radio. No, you know it's funny you say that too because I listen to a lot of podcast nationally and locally you know like listen to you know nebraska football nebraska basketball creighton basketball just to really try to make sure i use that as like prep sometimes sure. you know like i can't always read but hey if i'm out running three miles yeah. i throw and i listen to two times speed so it's like i can listen to an hour's podcast by the time yeah. that i'm just out running and it's funny that you say that though about you know you don't want the x's and o's breakdown because i agree with you i think that that's terrible radio and and it's so, so like there's a place for it but it's yes. like one segment when games are actually yeah, happening. Exactly. Right? And not to like toot my own horn too much, but I think that we can do the, you know, grab bag, be random, all that crap. Yeah. I think we do that very, very well. But there are some people and some podcasts that I listen to where I am like, all right, guys, stop. You're not funny. Just like get back right. to yeah. get back to the, the thing that I'm listening to this for. And I imagine that, look, there's a lot of people that probably listen to us and they say that about, Josh, you're not funny. Stop it. You know, I want to hear about Nebraska. And that's fine. I, I disagree. But there are some that I listen to, whether it's locally or nationally, I'm just like, this is painful. Just move on. Like, yeah. I don't care about this or that. It's like, if you're the beat writer for this team, yeah. like, I'm going to you for inside information. Yep. Like, give me that information and yeah. get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And then there are other people that when they goof off, I'm like, this is hilarious. This yeah. is great. And so, you know... You're never going to be perfect for everybody, obviously. Sure. But I, I hope that when when most people listen to us, that they they really do like that. They like the goofing off. They like us when we're having fun. Because I think you know, I think some of those June and July shows are the best that we do all year. Even oh yeah, there's nothing to talk. Those about. are my, those are the most fun for me to fill in on. Like yeah. whenever I get a text from you or Stibbs about a June or July show, I'm just like, I'll make it work. <laughs> Let's go. Especially if it's on a Wednesday. Love yeah. my love my dumb debates. Dumb debates. <laughs> All right, so uh, a couple more questions here for you, and then we'll get you out of here. Um, but so one of the things I wanted to ask you about was I did want to get into a little bit of Nebraska football here okay. instead of just you know, ha- you know indulging ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that and you know people think I'm I'm Creighton guy and Nebraska hater or whatever. Like I grew up here too. I learned that over the summer like, that you that you like Nebraska football. I have I no do. idea. Yeah. So well, I went through. Long story short, I went through this. 
I guess, defiant phase where I, I kind of denied my Husker fandom. It, long story short, I was a really big Brooke Berenger fan mm-hmm. when he died. That was really tough for me. Yeah. And then I just kind of, they were bad after that. So I was like, well, I don't have to come back. Yeah. Um, but so I've, I've recently re-acknowledged my fandom, even though I was kind of rooting for him all along. Uh, but it, it, I look at what's going on right now with the team and with Scott Frost and everything. And listen, if they had beaten Colorado, maybe I'm not even having this discussion. Yeah. But this is something I thought about last year as well. And is there any part of you, because this creeps into the back of my head sometimes, is there any part of you that is, I guess, I don't know if afraid is the right word, but has a fear that, that maybe Scott Frost isn't what we think he is? Because... If you really look at it, he's had one really good season as a head football coach. And that was at a group of five school. And it's when you put it in that context, now I don't I don't think that's who he is as a coach, is just the one good random one off season. Yeah, I agree. But that's all we have so far. Yeah. And that's a little scary to think about when you're like, okay, maybe he's not what we thought he was. Does that ever like creep into the back of your mind? It really hadn't until I mean really a Colorado game is the first moment where it's like, huh, okay, you know, do do we need to reevaluate our expectations for him and for the team moving forward? I I, I don't know, like I, I think he's a really, really, really good coach. Sure. And some of the stuff that they come up with in play design is absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, the thing that I've come back to really the last two weeks after the South Alabama game and then the Colorado game is in terms of the guys that they've recruited with skill position guys yeah. on, on offense, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, The there's only been three of those players so far. And look, they've only had two classes, yep. plenty of time. But Adrian Martinez, Maurice Washington, and Wandell Robinson are the only three that so far have – I think either totally Which, and proven. I was saying Wandale is like he has these flashes, but yes. he really hasn't done anything. He hasn't yet. done. Yeah, he had the drop against Colorado, but, but those, he looks like he's yes, capable. He looks like a dude. Yeah. Well, if you look at you know, and and this is an interesting discussion, especially for those who hate recruiting rankings. If you go look at their recruiting rankings, you know they were all basically top two hundred and fifty guys. Yep. They were four stars, all of them. I think Wandale might have been in the top one hundred, but all of them were dudes yes. that had big time offers. Look at all the other skill position guys that they've recruited so far. Whether it's the under the radar guys, under that, the radar guys yeah. that they because we have heard so much from them and from recruiting guys since they've been on campus. They are very confident in their evaluations. And sure, you go back to the Oregon days when Frost was there. That was a team. Yes, they would get the occasional five star. You know, DeAnthony Thomas. I'm pretty sure he was a five star. If not, he was a very high four star. Um, they were able to get some dudes. But they also did succeed with under yeah, the I mean, you, Marcus Mariota. Mariota was like a three-star. Yeah. Um, I think LaMichael James was like a three-star. So they were able to get these guys that weren't bona fide obvious dudes, and they turned them into special players. And right now at Nebraska, the, the players that they're super confident in their development, you know, Greg Bell, he bounced out very quickly. Yep. Woodyard, we're still waiting to see something from. Mike Williams, like all of these either freshmen or soft or redshirt freshmen and yep. wide receivers, we're still waiting for like somebody else to step up. And so that's the one thing really over the last couple of weeks that I've just been kind of scratching my head about is like – are they missing in the evaluation? Is something not happening with the development? Like, what is going on with those players in particular? Because of all the things that I thought, you know, they're going to nail X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Those that are was pretty high on the list. Yeah, it's right? like, where's, you know, where's Ramir Johnson? You know, I know Ronald Tompkins is going through the injury. What What's going on with, with Diedrich Mills? Is it because of him? Is it the line? And sure. so I'd say that that's the biggest surprise. Now, if, if you that's glass half empty. Glass half full. 
Texas was super confident when they hired Tom Herman, and then he lost to Maryland two years in a row, right including away. in the opener last yeah. year. They struggled to, to they won games, but they struggled. They like they struggled with what Tulsa last yeah, year. No, they didn't. And then they beat Oklahoma, and and you know I mean Tom Herman is an underdog, is an incredible coach, and so. I, I'm not. I'm not saying like, hey, don't worry, Nebraska's going to make the Big Ten championship <laughs> game all as well. But it took Herman a little bit, even too. And I mean, maybe so much of this just comes down to the fact that they truly need to learn how to win. The thing that is surprising me the most this year, though, is 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 uh, Adrian. It's just he he. There are times where he looks like there's the Adrian, and then right. there's times like, what version of Adrian Martinez is Nebraska getting right now? That's the thing that is stunning me even more than a lack of develop, development with the other skill guys is just that Adrian doesn't look like himself. He looks sluggish. He looks different. And and I'm just every game now, and there's only been two. I'm like, huh. And then, I mean, when Frost says, yeah, we, we ran the ball to begin overtime because he didn't want an interception, yeah. it's like, that's weird. It's almost like it's almost like he's got some mental hurdle that he's working through right now. Like yeah. it almost like not that he has like the yips or something, but it, it almost that's a good sounds, way to describe it though. It almost sounds like that. Yeah. I mean yeah, I don't remember which quarterback it was, but a couple years ago, I think it was Joel Stabi for Wisconsin. Yes. Like, they couldn't play him because he, he had the yips. He truly had the yips, yeah. And I don't think it's that with the throws, no. at least, but I think mentally, I think he's just, like, thinking for a half second too long. I don't think he's seeing things as well right now. No. You see how he stands in the pocket, and you see... He seems really uncomfortable. Yeah, he does. And, and you know, one of the things, like, with a zone read or a, a play that looks like a zone read, you never know for sure if it's a zone read or... Or design QB yeah, run or Because, whatever. like, the first play of overtime... They they said in the post game that that was that was a handoff that Give was not a zone way, yeah. yes and so it looked like a zone read and so that's one of those ones where I don't want to be like he's making the worst decisions with zone reads because I don't know yeah but his decision making with throws and like I'll say the passing game yes. that's where it's concerning because you see guys yes wide open yes. especially dude I was in the press box in Colorado and you know we and that's really a good view up. to see it's incredible and it's like wow because sometimes yeah. the screenshots are misleading right exactly well when you're in the press box and you can see all twenty two at the Guy same time across the field you're like uh, hey he's yeah. Throw him the ball. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's been holding on the ball for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, that sack that he took in overtime, like, that's... You can't take that no, sack. No, it's an indefensible play. That really. and the intentional grounding are indefensible. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they are. There wasn't even that much pressure on him in the intentional grounding. He just chucked it. Yeah, they said... I don't remember if somebody said it or... Obviously, it looks like there was miscommunication where the guy went one way and he went... Right. You know, and he threw looked like he thought he was going an out. Yeah, but when he went inside, so, yeah. So, that, that concerns me. And I guess my follow-up question to that is... And, again, this is entirely premature... But if for whatever reason it doesn't work out with Scott Frost, to me that feels like it's just about it for Nebraska football. I mean, where do they go from there? Because that this was the savior, right? Yeah. I mean, what? how many more saviors are coming down the line if you're in Nebraska football? If it doesn't work out with Frost, I mean, who? what, what does Nebraska turn into? I mean, theoretically, they're, they have a lot of money. So sure. they can pay people. Um, I've always said, you know, if, if you don't think it's working with a guy – and, and you really believe that, move on. Sure, you know? and, yeah, yeah. And, and, like Alabama, you, don't, you don't have the excuse of like, yeah. hey, who are we going to get that's better? Exactly. Alabama and Notre Dame got ripped for years because they kept firing guys. And I have always defended that because it's like, sorry for expecting more. Yeah, if, that's not, if you think you're better than that, then yeah. find somebody better yeah. than it that. It always like kills me when like Wisconsin or Iowa fans chirp at Nebraska fans. Like, you guys keep firing people and that's why you suck. It's like, or do they suck because they have to keep firing coaches? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it can be a little column A, a little column B. Yeah. So, I don't know because, you know, like you said, it's premature, obviously. I think Frost is going to be really, really good. I do too. Here. I think he's the guy. Yeah. I think they'll be But fine. it is. I mean, that ha- that thought has to be kind of creeping in the back of people's heads. of like, oh my gosh, if this doesn't work, then, you know. But look, Alabama brought back Alabama guys. Notre Dame brought back Notre Dame guys. And, and sometimes 
it just sometimes you just got to go outside the family. You yeah, know, I argued that for years. Like hire the best coach available, and that was what was such the, the, a cool thing about Frost is. He, he, if he wasn't the best available that offseason... He, he was definitely the best available that Nebraska could get. Exactly. It was like him and Chip, and obviously Jimbo moved on too, but that was for one job. Yes. He wasn't like on yeah. the market. And so not only was the, the best guy available interested, but he had the ties, and it was like, wow. for people it like, seemed like, me, like the perfect synergy yeah. of, of events. Because there are some people who are like, I want a Nebraska guy. And then there's people like me who's just like, I want the best yeah, guy. Yeah, just give me the guy that's the best. And so he was like yeah. the perfect combination of those two things, and I thought that that was pretty cool. And so... Um, I'll be honest. I did not see a one-in-one start coming. It totally has caused me to reevaluate what they can do this year. And that's that's depressing, too, just in the sense of I've been on the air since 2014 now. Mm-hmm. I had Bowes last year, 9-4, and four, yep. as always. Um, I, had a, <laughs> I had a 6-7 and seven Mike Riley team. I had a 9-4 and four Mike Riley team. I had the 4-8 and eight, and then a 4-8. It's like, I just want a good team. Like, give sure. me November football that matters. Just because give me a division champion. Yeah. Like, I'm not <laughs> you just you worry about apathy, apathy always. And not like in the sense of, uh-oh, now Nebraska has no fans. But more so in the sense of, man, I watched the loss. I don't want to listen to people talk about the loss for another week. And then it's like they don't turn on the radio. Like yeah. that, that's the stuff that's like annoying to me. You know, when people are like, oh, you guys love it when Nebraska's not good. It's like when they're a dumpster fire and they're going to fire a coach. Like, yes, yeah. that's kind of fun. Sure. Like, especially a couple years ago with Frost. It was like that was a, that was really fun radio. Um, but it, when it's like the first Mike Riley team or the Oof. second Scott Frost team yeah. uh, where you know nothing is going to happen yeah. and it's just bad football, yeah. that's when it becomes, oh, boy. This isn't, you know, and that, look, this is going to cause us to be creative. You know, it, we're good. We'll, we'll be, I know John and I and Stibbs will be up to the challenge. And that's, I, I agree with you. I think Nebraska has the commitment and the money to be good at football and eventually they'll figure it out, whether it's with Scott Frost or whoever else. Yeah. But it's like the same reason, like Nebraska has no, like in, like no external reason to be good at football. It's just they were good at football at one time, and the state has decided they're forever going to be try, they, try and be good at football. They want to be good at football. It's like the same thing with Kansas basketball, right? Yeah. Kansas basketball has no reason to be good at basketball, but except they for they were at one point, and they decided they still want to be. And they put the resources into it. Yeah. Now, honestly, if I had a big concern right now about moving forward, it would just be, can they recruit the players that are good enough to do this on a yearly basis? Yeah. Because if they can't, this is what they're going to be. They're going to be a team that loses to Colorado, yeah. and then they're going to be a team that, look, they can still beat any team on their schedule this sure. year. They won't. But I, I, it was funny. That, um, Stuart Mandel and Bruce Feldman, they have a podcast on The Athletic called The Audible. And the other day they were talking about Purdue and just how you know how up and down they can be. And I was listening to that conversation. It was like, maybe this is what Nebraska is going to be now and maybe for sure. the next couple of years yeah. of – Look, Purdue lost to Eastern Michigan last year, and then they beat Ohio State by almost Just 30. Just them. So, yeah. that, look, am I saying that's going to happen? No. So, don't – oh, Homer Josh. No. I just think any, all, anything's on the table. That right type of, of inconsistency is on the table, though. Wait, totally. right now. Totally. Um, and so, I think that that is probably a scary thought moving forward because if they go out – let's say they beat one of Wisconsin, Ohio State, and Iowa, but they go 6-6. Six and six. Yeah. There's going to be people like, well, how could you do that? How could you – you know, beat this team, but you're still going 500 yeah. or, or near 500. And, and you know, once again, reevaluating. That's what college football is. That's though. what college football I is. Mean, Outside of Bama and Clemson and a few other teams, that's basically that's what college, what college football, football is. I mean, especially, gosh, these first two weeks have been crazy. Yeah. Michigan goes down to the wire with Army. Clemson, or, uh, Syracuse gets housed by Maryland. And Maryland in a first year coach. Yeah, it's, like, it's, Mar- it's like, wait, is Maryland good? What happened here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, Wisconsin hasn't allowed a point thus far. It's been a uh, strange start to the season. And, 
you know, basically what I said on the on the show earlier this week was like, hey, buckle up because maybe yeah. maybe that's what this year is going to be. They, they might go out and beat somebody by fifty, and then they might have a yeah. loss, go double overtime to Indiana. Yeah, you know? like, what? <laughs> How is that happening? But that's that's college football for you. And I think Nebraska fans that that are are panicking or nervous, I think you just have to go back and remember. There's no, and it pains me to say this, but there's no reason Nebraska can't be Wisconsin. Wisconsin doesn't really have any internal advantages that Nebraska no, doesn't. They don't have a recruiting advantage. No, they've got maybe a little bit more in-state talent, but Nebraska's in-state talent's coming up anyway. Yeah. There's just there's no reason that if Nebraska figures it out, they can't be Wisconsin. And listen, Wisconsin in the hunt for the Big Ten title every year. You know, when they have an, actually have a functional quarterback, they're in the they're in the playoff hunt. Yeah, you know. If that's who Nebraska turns into, I think that's a win because, I mean, Wisconsin's top 10 relevant almost every year at some point in the season. Totally. Right? No, yeah, that, that's what, you know, I, I've said that a lot lately because. But when, when you say that initially, people are like, oh, we're better than Wisconsin. Yeah. It's like, no, you're not. No, you're not right. You're, you're absolutely really not right now. Yeah. No, and, and that's why, you know, it's it's always laughed. I've always laughed lately when, when and not like literally today, but, you know, in the off seasons or whatever, when people bring, well, why can't they be Iowa? Like the year Iowa went 20 or went 12 now, 2015. Mm-hmm. Why can't Nebraska be Iowa? I remember pushing back at that lap, that year, like, this is what you want to be? Like, go look at their records surrounding the 12-0 year. I know that that's not what Nebraska fans want. They don't yeah. want one 12-0 season, but a 7-5 and and an 8-4. and the, Wisconsin is the much better, yeah. you know, looking team in terms of what their record has been. They obviously took a step back last year. But you go um, 10-2 and two almost every year. Exactly. And then every once in a while you have a shot to be a little better yeah. than that. Yeah, and if you can get to that level, theoretically then, that's when the recruiting could take that next step. Yes. Because, you know, I've always I've always made the reference of, like, those first two recruiting classes, maybe even three, you can sell guys on an idea. Like, hey. On the vision. Yes. yes. This is what we're going to be. Come on and join us and yeah. let's take the next step. But after a certain point, it's, it's empty promises. Yeah. Of like, hey, you can't in year five. Hey, come on, you're our missing set. Like, well, after you're not the first few it. years, you're you're selling on you're selling on product, yeah. not on promise. And I thought like the best example of that was Penn State. You know, James Franklin got there and he's selling on hope. Well, then they win the conference title, yep. and then it's like, look, we know we can do it. Now let's go up that whole yes. extra step. And they're still obviously trying to get there. They're trying to get to the playoff and really, you know, James Franklin acknowledged it last year after the Ohio State loss. We're trying to, you know, we're good. Maybe he said we're great, but we're not elite yet. Yeah. And that's that's the spot that they're trying to get to. But I think it's much easier to sell that vision of, like, we're already great, now let's become elite, yeah. than, than being in year two, year three. It's much easier say, to be like, hey, we're 10-2. and two. With you, we can get to 12-0 and, and get into that playoff than it is to be like, hey, we're 5-7, and seven, and if we get you plus 20 other dudes <laughs> over the next two years, yeah. we might be 10-2. and two. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, tough, a tough sell. That's a tough sell. And so that's the thing that I've, I've thought about a lot over the last couple of days is like, all right, they got to start getting some guys in here. Yeah. they got to really start getting some some good players. I think that they've recruited well on the offensive line. Um, they have a lot of young talent there, and it's just young. Um, the, the skill position, though, I have, there's a lot to be desired. Outside yeah. of, you know, they got Adrian, uh, Maurice Washington. I think Wandale Robinson is, is very close to kind of having that nice breakthrough. But other than that, it's a lot of milk cartons. And that's, yeah, that's the biggest difference, I think, between those Oregon teams and Nebraska right now is just the multitude of playmakers that they would have on those teams yep. versus right now, like you said, it's like, you know if it's a big play, it's going to Washington, Robinson, or Adrian, and that's about it. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Josh, we'll wrap up there. I appreciate we went over the half hour that I told you, but I appreciate you coming in and talking to me, and uh, hopefully we'll get a fill-in together on Unsportsmanlike Conduct again soon. Absolutely, Robbie. Thanks for having me in, man. I appreciate it. 
All right, thank you so much to Josh Peterson uh, for coming in and talking to me. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to wherever you listen to your podcast. Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula is available pretty much on every platform. And if you have a platform that's not available, I'll make it happen. You can find me on Facebook, Heavy Lifting with Ravi Lula, on Twitter, at R.A. Lula, and on the website, RaviLulaRadio.com. We will talk to you in a couple days for Meathead Monday!